Happy Friday, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Ellen Pogramiller with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Catherine Bishop. Fried Okra is a weekly podcast where we get together to talk about public education issues in Oklahoma. We hope you'll join us every Friday. And this morning, we are joined by Dr. Brian Kerner from the State Department of Ed. Good morning, Brian. Hi, good morning. So tell us a little about yourself. What what do you do at the State Department? All right. Well, I am the I'm in my first week of being the deputy superintendent of assessments and accountability. This is a whole title. Yeah, this is like the, a big one. It is. I had a flashcards. <laughs> the deputy superintendent of assessment, accountability, data systems, and research at the department. So for the last year prior to that, I was the assistant deputy superintendent and um, prior to that led the school accountability office and prior to that was in the weeds with some of the data supporting the agency in a variety of ways. So it's... So you like numbers. I do like numbers, Numbers. but I like talking about what they mean too. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So one of the reasons we reached out to the State Department is last week they released a press release saying that um, the state testing actually saw positive gains across the state. And I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah, we it was Friday of last week. We had a, a press release that came out that uh, we're really encouraged by what we've seen statewide in terms of performance that students had on the most recent administration of the state's testing program. So in almost all subject areas, we've seen improvements, uh, 15 out of 17 of the subject area and grade level combinations. And we're encouraged by that and on a variety of reasons. But the big one being that it seems we seem to have evidence already that there's already proof of acceleration and recovery and all the synonyms that people talk about these efforts that um, what teachers and students have been doing for the past several years in schools, we're, we're seeing evidence of it taking off. Even if it's modest somewhat, it's it's better than a continual decline. Yeah. So let's, let's go back, let's take a step back in history and look at our state and our accountability and assessment. Um, 2015, we brought in ESSA, which is the reauthorization of the elementary elementary Secondary Education Act. So it brought in a new accountability system. We also at that time brought in new standards, new assessments. Mm -hmm. So think about 15, 16. We were really kind of hitting our stride about 18, 19, 20. And we we were finally like getting viable data that was showing, you know, the, where we were at, Mm -hmm. we were able to show our schools that needed comprehensive and targeted supports. And then the pandemic happened. Right. Boom. And everything stopped. So we didn't test in 20. That's right. We, we tested in 21 when everybody just give it a good effort. Right. Mm -hmm. How, how were those, were you surprised by those scores in 21? No, it's it aligned with what other states, how they've talked about it as well. Um, a, a bright spot from that was that 91, 92% of students across the state were mm-hmm. able to participate because uh, Superintendent Hoffmeister and others were, um, I, I was glad of the stance they took of, we need to have this information on, this is a new baseline for us. We've had months of disruptions. Mm-hmm. Let's understand where students are and use that baseline moving forward. Yeah. And so then so t- so we should probably look at 21 is our baseline and now we're in 20 we now 22 we we've shown improvements and it doesn't surprise me at all i had a reporter the other day who said were you surprised by that and i said no because i know how hard educators mm-hmm. have been working across the state the the summer learning that they've been doing the um extensive 
tutoring programs that they set up. They use our federal funds for that. So that, that didn't surprise me at all. The scores that we have are summative assessment. Mm -hmm. They are the end of the year tests, right? What, what should parents, community members, how should they look at these scores in the public? Cause I get, you know, in the paper and media scores go everywhere. Right. So what, what should they know? What should we know? Well, there's a lot, but I'd say that we've really before the pandemic, but especially in light of everything that's happened, starting with the 21 results, we have been more intentional as an agency about making things more actionable for parents, for classroom teachers, for principals, because status, State summative assessments sometimes get a bad rap. It's yeah. it's people get sticker shock when they see numbers, or there's maybe confusion about what these different labels mean, or what what are these numbers actually trying to convey. Um, but we have a series of tangible supports now that are not only helping folks understand what do these various percentages mean, but how do you really take action on this information? So if I'm a family member. Um, I want. I have this information. I got it back in June. I'm able to have conversations with my child's next teacher. So it, it can't necessarily guide instruction along the way because this was a snapshot from April. I get this score, though, and I can see how does my student fare if it's grade six mathematics? How did they do in um, statistics and probability or numbers and operations, some of those domains? And then I, as a family, can have that conversation with my student's seventh grade teacher, even though we're in the new year now. This is where my student was last year. What what are the sorts of supports that we can provide this student? That's not just remediation and flashcards and things like mm -hmm. that, but um, actually being more, I keep using the word actionable, but that's really the main driver here too of thinking about math and engaging in those practices and operations and not just drilling and killing. Right. So, um, so all the way down from the student level, we can take action on that, but also schools are able to log on to um, some secure portals and see lists of students. So they, they have the, the number for how their school did, but they can click that number and see, well, who were the students that actually tested? And how did, if it's sixth grade math again, how did this group of sixth grade math kids in 2022 do overall compared to that group in 2021 or 2019? And if I'm a building principal, um, it's it's maybe something or an instructional coach. I'm finding areas of hey, we're gonna we're gonna highlight that. That's a great that's a great strength in that area. Or mm -hmm. oh, this is an area that we've seen that maybe we need to make sure that our curricular materials are are tightly aligned with with what we need to be doing, and we're gonna offer some professional development in those areas. So as a parent, you know, one of the things that I did in June was log on mm -hmm. and see hey, where are my kids? And so they gave pretty basic levels. It's Below basic, basic, proficient, and advanced. Mm -hmm. So when, when as a parent, when I'm looking at that, what should I be taking in? Well, I think that's the initial, that's kind of the North Star, right? Okay. Where if, if proficient's considered, uh, I, I don't want to over-prioritize it, but it is, statistically speaking, that's the cut mark of students have mastered that grade level content at an acceptable level. Um, mm -hmm. Advanced means that there's, um, mathematically on the test, they can see even greater demonstration of those knowledge, skills, and abilities. If a student is scoring in the basic level, it means that they're on the right track. They just maybe haven't necessarily mastered all of those areas within whatever that grade level's test was measuring. Mm -hmm. 
So that's, that's kind of the initial starting point, but there's also other information, I believe, in the parent reports, but also at the teacher level. Um, we, we aren't able to assess all of the standards. That would, that would right. result in an eight-hour test. <laughs> yeah. That would take like years. Yeah, right. But yeah, it does break it down. Right. If you click on that, then mm-hmm. there's usually, I kind of, I was looking at, I think, reading, but there was eight categories underneath mm-hmm. that and kind of each one of those, how well are where he struggled in that yeah. department. Yeah, so I mean, they're not directly transferable, but if a student is at or near the standard is the label in that mm-hmm. section, we call those the reporting categories. Um, that's an indication that, oh, well, specific to that portion of sixth grade math, this the student is, they're on the right track. They likely met those end of year mm-hmm. expectations and they're on track for the next grader level. Yeah, our, our assessments are, um, our summative assessments are holistic. They're just like a broad, mm-hmm. like you said, it's a snapshot to make an inference uh, to a predictor of how they're going to be doing our, uh, what they do on a daily basis on our educators are giving formative assessments right. continually. And that's where we really mm-hmm. are able to dig into the data. And, but um, there were a couple of areas I, I was just amazed that I was super excited to see this because I knew how hard everyone had been working what what were the two areas that the that we didn't have as much gain over the other ones? Was it like a eleventh grade math or something like that? Yeah, eleventh grade math was a slight decrease from what we'd seen in twenty twenty one. And that's you know, math is content. It's it's you're learning new subject content right. every year where ELA is kind of like the text levels get higher in but it's more of a spiral. Yeah, curriculum. it's kind yeah. of a spiral curriculum. But, you know, algebra one, algebra two, because they're taking the ACT or SAT in 11th grade. Mm-hmm. So those scores. So did that surprise you? A little bit, um, because the trend in other states that we've looked at, it, particularly younger students were the most that were, they were the most adversely affected. But some of our younger grades, we saw some some pretty remarkable mm-hmm. upticks mm-hmm. and things. Uh, I looking at math, I think it's important to remember that these students, they were freshmen in mm. fall or in spring 2020. And so that grade eight to grade nine transition in yeah. math is it's one that all states have have struggled with. Yeah. If a student's in algebra one as a freshman that year and they had a disruption to your point, it's there might be some other foundational uh, knowledge that has yeah. to be recovered in yeah. some way. That is, that is good. So when you are, per- I mean, how much impact do you all have on helping design the type of questions you want? Is that you or is that, I'm just curious. Well, it's a, it's a pretty complex process. Um, It's primarily conducted in-house at the agency. Um, Once, once the Oklahoma academic standards are approved and those are all set by classroom teachers with some guidance uh, in some ways from the office of curriculum and instruction. But once those standards are known, our assessments team works with assessment vendors that create items with us. There are teachers involved in the creation of those items. Um, so it's, it is very much a, an all hands on deck because you could spend a full day just trying to develop one good item mm-hmm. with a group of people. It's, mm-hmm. it's mentally taxing. It's, it's complex, but there are multiple eyes along the way making sure that those items are, in fact, aligned to the Oklahoma academic standards and that they're performing in a way that allow us to make these descriptions of how well students master that content. Yeah. I think we sometimes get um, confusion um, watching it over the years and 
whether it was Common Core mm. or state academic standards, standards are simply a statement of what we want students to know and be able to do. Right. And then we have our assessment that says, okay, how did they do with that? And it's and sometimes it gets convoluted and it, it becomes curriculum and yeah. it, it, it's just such a, you know, there's only so many ways that you can say, I'm going to add two digit um, numbers. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, a standard is a standard. Right. So right. no matter how you write it. And so our standards is what our students, we want them to know and be able to do. And then how we're going to assess them. Yeah. And it's um, it, I, your point a moment ago about the importance of classroom and formative assessments or interim assessments. Mm -hmm. um, when when teaching and learning is happening in ideal conditions, classroom teachers gonna shouldn't be surprised when these scores or reports, yeah. you know, hit the media yeah. or hit these portals because they've been they've been engaged in helping those students learn throughout the year. And so yeah. I think that's also partially why we're seeing, you know, these gains of yeah. oh, it's it has been an intent focus for. A long time now. Yeah, well, it definitely shows the incredible work our educators are mm -hmm. doing around our state and the resiliency of our students and how they've been able to make up that gain. I mean, those 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 gaps that we had. Well, thank you. Um, I I just listeners, I'm really excited. We I went to University of Missouri, and Brian <laughs> yeah. also went to oh, University yeah. of Missouri. So, <laughs> MIZ this has never happened. Before. <laughs> we did not this coordinate is, this. We didn't. We did yeah, this have. is like so exciting. So, anyway, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it's no problem. And this morning, welcome back, Ivy Riggs. It's the hey. Ivy Show. Thanks for having me. So there is action at the Capitol this week, right? There is. They're they're back in business over there. So they uh, did for, come back. They did oh, for a short time. Well, off and on they've been they've been over there for interim studies, but uh, right now they're in special session. One of the two special sessions. <laughs> this one is for spending the ARPA funds, the federal relief dollars. Um, there has been a, a huge committee, lots of work being done to approve all of these uh, ARPA fund applications. And uh, they actually have to put those, uh, once the committee approved them, committees approved them, they had to put them into legislation and then pass the legislation. The governor still has to sign it. So all of the things that happen during a, a normal session happen during this special session. If you'll remember, there's a second special session that the governor actually called um, that calls for inflation relief, tax relief, whatever. That's not what they're doing this week. Okay. So is this X or XX? I don't honestly remember which don't know one. Which X it is. I, I, I frankly, I don't remember what order they happened Me in. Either. I think the okay. governor called his and then the legislature called this one. I believe that's how it happened. So, and, listeners, keynote if you see a bill that or legislation that has. An X on it, it means it's a special session. Right. And a double X double means X. it's the other special <laughs> session. <laughs> and the reason that legislators called this special session is because they felt like ARPA funds weren't being spent. Correct. They felt like the needs were great and it was, I don't want to say intentionally being slow played. I don't honestly know that there was any kind of nefarious anything. It just, nothing was happening. Mm -hmm. And so they, they felt like they got all the way through session and none of those funds had, had really been spoken for. And they, and they knew what hundreds of applications had been uh, submitted. Lots of really great needs throughout our state, yeah. uh, urban areas, rural areas, lots of stuff going on. So How much money are we talking about here? 
gosh, 30 some million dollars wow. was coming. Oh, I think it's higher than that. Well, we have lots and lots. Yeah. I, I just don't. Um, Do they have a time limit on when they can, they have to spend? Yes, it does expire, oh. but it's, I want to say we're, we're well into that. Okay. It's a couple of years away. Mm-hmm. So okay. we're not, we're not at risk of losing the money at this point, but. But these are large chunks of money that could give huge relief to for sure to things like um healthcare staffing shortages are a part of it um housing there we're in a huge huge housing crisis um i know lots of uh recently graduated college students not even education just any anyone or uh folks trying to uh, you know we we want everyone to work we have now, we, you know, I think we're in this odd cycle of minimum wage is still $7.25. Mm-hmm. And housing has quadrupled. Mm-hmm. A, a, a rental property that used to be in the $500 range yes, is now in thousands. the $1,000 yeah. range, $1,500 range. Yeah. And so affordable housing is a huge crisis. And so I know some of these relief funds are to address that. There has been some, oh, accusation, some, some stuff thrown around about, um, I, I know leadership in the house, uh, criticized superintendent Hoffmeister's budget request because it was a, only a three year funding, only three years of the counselor's core, right? Mm-hmm. Increase of 300 counselors, but it's only going to pay for it for three years because that's, those are federal relief right. dollars, which are one-time dollars, right. but all of these relief dollars are one-time mm-hmm. dollars. And so my, I mean, it's, it may be just a philosophical difference, not a mm-hmm. criticism, but any immediate relief is good, mm-hmm. right? Even if it isn't sustainable. I mean, it's no different. I mean, counseling for students that are in need of counseling is good right. <laughs> for, for as long as it can possibly last. And schools may be able to continue it. But if you talk about housing, so we get folks off the street mm-hmm. and into some permanent housing. That's a good thing. That Right. Mm-hmm. But that's not funded forever yeah so So, infrastructure like um broadband right Mm -hmm. so do they were they able to get some funds to broadband to because we know that was not right right so so none of the relief bills going through are specifically education related so we aren't Mm -hmm. uh, necessarily um touting you know for or against any of them but they're all just for the human race for yeah. folks struggling and needing uh, instant relief. These are all really good things coming yeah. through. Um, mental health for youth yeah. uh, through, through OU is one of them that, that may, you know, adjacently impact our, our, our kids. Mm-hmm. So it, it's all really good stuff. And um, I'm glad the dollars are, are going to be spent sooner rather than later. Absolutely. So, and as you said, legislators are still coming back because there's interim studies and the House is really, the House Education Committee yeah. is kicking off their kind of interim study season. Correct. On Monday. Correct. Monday is is the first, um, well, is it the first in the Education Committee? Yes. Okay. So, so there have been some education related kind of interim studies that we'll, we'll kind of share with you in our legislative updates and stuff like that. But the first ones that are really education related through the education committee starts Monday and they'll go on for about two weeks. And uh, uh, the one that we are uh, most involved with is the community schools interim study. And that's, mm-hmm. that's on Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tammy West is running that interim study and um, we're really excited to 
to hear from parents and uh, school personnel, state department partnerships, uh, those grants using federal dollars for community schools are being awarded and is it four or five schools here in Oklahoma mm-hmm. received those grants. So we're going to hear from a couple of those schools. Mm-hmm. So we're really excited about that. So for maybe our first time listeners or just to refresh our member memories, what what is the main purpose of an interim study that they do those for? Yeah, I think in its maybe conception. In its conception, <laughs> I think an interim study is designed to take a topic that there's an interest in. And bring folks from both sides, experts, if you will. Mm-hmm. I think that's the idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, to to see, you know, what do we know about this issue? Is there a legislative solution for a problem? And should we file legislation in the upcoming session? Mm-hmm. That's the idea of an interim study. Um, sometimes it's a, a piece of legislation that ran and wasn't successful. Mm-hmm. And so maybe an education of sorts. Let's let's talk about why it's important and why we might want to bring it back. And that's the case for, right. for community schools, yeah. for us. Well, cool. I know we will be there covering those interim studies and getting that summaries out to our members yeah. about that. Yes. The other thing that we wanted to talk about is another polling was released for Gina and Joy that showed, again, Gina up and Joy just a smidge neck and neck with yeah um, the governor's race and the state superintendent race um, KOCO channel five commissioned a, a poll uh, that came out this past week and it showed um, for the state superintendent race it showed the same results it showed Gina Nelson up five points over Ryan Walters and it showed a little bit different results but barely uh, mm-hmm. it showed uh, governor Stitt up three points over um, challenger, uh, Joy Hoffmeister. Now keep in mind, that's a four way race that, uh, there is an independent, uh, Irvin Yen and there is a libertarian. So that's going to be, uh, Natalie Bruno, that yeah. is going to be a very interesting mm-hmm. race. And, and like, like all midterms, I really think it's going to come out to who comes out to vote. Yeah. Who shows up? Mm-hmm. Polling is so interesting. Um, it, what gives you hope about this polling or the polling that's coming out or gives you like heartburn? Sure. So polls are tricky, mm-hmm. right? Polls, it, even a scientific poll that, that campaign folks that have done this for years and years, I mean, 800 responses is considered a scientific mm-hmm. poll. And if you think of 4 million Oklahomans, you know, half of which are registered to vote. Two million people right. are are registered to vote. 800 is a small number. And so I would say on one hand, um, it's hopeful that those races are very close. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, it is 800 people mm-hmm. out of two million. And so I don't want people to get comfortable. Mm-hmm. I want people to know that it's, uh, within reach. Yeah. I want people to know it's attainable, but I want people to know that we can't uh, kind of sit back and, right. and look, say, look, look at the poll. It's great. Um, I, I want it to be a, um, a, a kick of energy mm-hmm. versus a, oh, we're good. Yeah. It gives hope. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Motivation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I like that. 
Well, thank you for your weekly check-in with us, Ivy. Great to see you. Thanks for having me. Well, let's take some time and catch up with Catherine. Man, September came in really fast and it's gone really fast. It has. It's like wrapping up and then then October is going to fly and then it's going to be November 8th. I mean, we are now less, we're under 40 days. Oh my gosh. To to the general election. You know, our, on Saturday, I'm, we haven't got to have this in a long time, Ellen. We are finally getting to have, for the first time in two years, committee Saturday. Oh. That all everybody of, back. Every, everybody's back. Um, coming back to headquarters here. We have 16 standing committees, and the majority of them meet on Saturday. And for our members... Our members from across the state make up all of our committees, and um, we do it twice a year. We do it in the fall, and then we do it in February. And so they'll be coming in. Saturday is going to be a a packed day. We've got committee Saturday. Then we have the fund. Our fund for Children Public Education Council is um, we're going to be making some recommendations at in the midday, and then we'll have our board meeting that afternoon. And then I'm putting on my tennis shoes. I'm going out and knocking doors um, for our GOTV. Yes. Just getting out a day of action to get out the word that go vote. Yes. Go vote. Yes. That's so that, exciting. And that's that targeted group of people mm-hmm. who you know, may not have voted in a while. And it's just that touch point to remind people how important it is. And we're going to do, there's going to be Oklahoma City, Tulsa, what am I forgetting? Stillwater? Norman. Norman. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there's going to be that you can go, I know it's been in our ledge update that you can find out how to sign up for that. And, and so, so, it's just asking, we've already done phone banking and it was so much fun. Mm. I loved it. (laughs) And it was, do you have a plan for to vote? Yes. Do you need information on your polling place? No. Yep. Or yes or no. Do you need absentee ballot information? Yes or no. And that's just, and that's all we're asking. And so very simple, but it's just to help remind people to get out and vote. And, um, you know, this is so interesting, you know, hearing from Ivy and the polling and everything and the, the polls are changing every day, but did did I hear? Is there going to be a state superintendent debate? Yes, uh, the Rural Schools Coalition. Okay, is going to be hosting on October fifteenth in Stroud at their new high school. Ooh. They kind of wanted when we talked when they talked to us about it. They were like, we wanted somewhere that was in the middle of the state. Yeah, that it's kind of midway midway yeah. point that everybody yeah. could get to. Um, so you can go in person or you can watch. I think Channel Nine will be streaming okay. it. So so it'll be in the evening. Oh, no, that's a Saturday. It's Saturday. I it's think it's Saturday. during the day. It's like 10 o'clock in the morning, maybe? Right, before all football games start. Yeah. I made that up, but that, I, that would make sense. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it is. That's how we go. That is how it rolls here. So, so. We've got lots. There is a way for everybody to be engaged. Yep. We wanted to thank um, Dr. Brian Kerner and Ivy Riggs for joining us today. And thank you for listening to Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Ellen Pogamiller with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Catherine Bishop, president of OEA. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Fried Okra on Apple Podcasts. You can also contact us at friedokrapodcast at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us again next week. Until then, keep fighting the good fight for public education.